This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 98 with Ryan Fleming. The college funding crisis is a retirement issue. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode. I'm your co-host, Holly Bach, and here with me in the studio today is Mark Willis. Hey, Holly. Hey, everybody. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we do have a fun episode for you all here today, maybe a little maybe a little lighter than our last episode, which was a little heavy, a little bit doom and gloom, but um, hope you guys bounce back and, and uh, were able to get some good applications and, and takeaways from it. Um, but today we wanted to lighten things up a little bit with an interview from um, a colleague of ours, Ryan Fleming, um, who's just a great source of wisdom. And we just really wanted to share um, his thoughts on college you know, college funding and, and how it relates to retirement. And so we wanted to share this interview with you all. And so just by way of an intro, want to let you know a little bit about Ryan. Um, he has been a college planning specialist in the Columbus area for over 11 years. As a certified financial fiduciary, uh, Ryan takes pride in helping others plan for their financial futures by avoiding wealth transfers and conflicts of interest. All right, so some keywords there we might hear a little bit more about <laughs> as he speaks. Uh, Ryan also specializes in helping parents of college-bound students plan for one of the largest wealth transfers of their lives. He also consults individually with parents and students to help them improve their financial aid picture and pay for college on a tax-favored basis. In addition to his college planning practice, Ryan also works with families who want to improve their long-term retirement picture and ensure proper distribution of their estate. What sets Ryan apart is his client-centric and easy-to-understand approach. Ryan's main goal for each of his clients is to help provide them with confidence and certainty in their financial future by helping them answer the four most important financial questions that we all must answer in order to properly plan for retirement. So that's just a little bit about Ryan, and I'm sure you guys will be hearing much more about him and the work that he does in the upcoming interview. So uh, thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Looking forward to hearing from you. Ryan, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you so much for having me. Well, so we've, we, we're excited to get into some of the content you're going to share with our listeners today. But before we do, just tell us a little bit about your background and your journey, how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, kind of like you read, I had a, a unique entry into the, the financial world and college planning world. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to uh, play baseball for a long time and got a chance to do that through college. And I uh, got a chance to do that in uh, the professional level for about 10 years. And it was during that time where, you know, God gave me my first son and I started thinking about things like college and retirement and uh, hooked up with a local person here in Columbus, Ohio and became a client. And lo and behold, years later, uh, I was uh, running a college planning practice after baseball was over. So I've been doing that now for 12 years and serving uh, people here in the Columbus metropolitan area and abroad and uh, just what a, what a wonderful uh, niche to be in and a wonderful space to be in to help people solve this problem. Yeah, it is a problem. So tell us a bit about how it's a problem. I mean, I think people generally know that student debt is on the rise. I heard that 
you know, it's at $1.3 trillion at this time. Uh, that's, you know, $1,300 billion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but it's going to grow. It's going to hit two trillion by the end of the decade. Um, so, what is if if I heard my statistics right? So, why is that a problem? And maybe more importantly, how are you helping kind of address that problem with your clients? Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's the issue, right? I mean, college is uh, it, it's one of the biggest wealth transfers that we're going to face in our entire lifetime. And you know, if you look back to like the mid to late seventies, uh, tuition and fees has, has increased, you know, 1200, 1300%. And, wow. um, yeah, it's a, it's a problem because, uh, uh, you know, our paychecks don't do that. Uh, inflation doesn't keep up with that. And on top of living and food and everything else like that, college is just crushing everything else relative to the, the costs. And you throw in having multiple kids like I do, and it's just an astronomical amount of money that's going to leave your future retirement dollars. And uh, it demands our attention because a lot of people are overpaying and uh, it affects their retirement. So we got to get it right. We got to figure it out. What is, what is the right investment? So it, you say that college funding is a retirement issue. Can you tell us more about that? What do you mean it's a retirement issue? Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I, I think at no other point in time are we going to have these massive amounts of money exit our pocketbooks. And uh, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I, I, I think that they're together. Um, college is a retirement issue because, you know, if you go to the wrong school and you go an extra two years or you, uh, you know, you miss out on merit-based money or you just invest properly in the college financial aid and admission system, well, that's going to be money that you don't have when you're, when you're older or money that you're going to be helping to pay for your kids' loans that you co-sign for that could be going towards your retirement dollars. So, you know, the, the decisions that you make now on this investment called college have a dramatic impact on not only, you know, the parent's retirement, but also the potential retirement or beginning of life for the student. So, you know, you can't, you got to treat them, um, I think together when you're going to do planning, uh, not just separate. Well, and it is a wealth transfer. You're literally handing money over, hard-earned money that could have gone elsewhere to a college, uh, university or, or community college. And, you know, some people have even wondered, is college still worth it? I wonder, you know, you're in the college planning space and you've really built a, a financial um, a professional career out of helping people consider college funding. So my question is, is college still a good investment? Well, well, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think colleges are getting uh, pressed very hard to justify that, you know, ROI. Um, you know, if you, if you could, I just want to take a step back and really just define to your audience really what wealth transfers are. Mm. Um, this is really important because, you know, a lot of, a lot of financial professionals will teach you how to accumulate money or how to budget. But one of the underserved areas of money is called transferred money. And, uh, you know, wealth transfers are money that we unknowingly and unnecessarily give away throughout the course of our lifetime. And there's five huge areas of wealth transfer that have nothing to do really with rate of return. And in no particular order, college funding is right there. I, I would argue that college planning is probably the, the second largest wealth transfer that we face. You know, again, money we unknowingly and unnecessarily give away, but things like taxes, um, qualified plans, mortgages, the, the mortgage is the number one wealth transfer. 
in our entire life. You know, more money will unknowingly slip through your mortgage strategy uh, away from you or to you uh, and major expenses, you know, so college is right smack dab in the middle of these things that, you know, parents don't typically know that can really cost them. And I, like I said, I think colleges are getting burdened to uh, provide value on the return of, on investment for the dollars people are spending. Um, you can argue both sides. You can argue that statistics say that a person that has a college degree is going to earn on average, you know, way more than a person mm-hmm. that doesn't. Yeah. But, con- but conversely, um, if, you, if, if kids continue to apply and go to schools and they're going to spend $150,000 or so, you know, that's got to be weighed in comparison to what maybe a uh, trade might yield as far as income and what, what the return on investment is for becoming a welder or some of these trades that are going to be relevant to our society. So um, do I say college is, is worth it? Um, if you invest properly, yes. Um, if you come out with $200,000 of student loan debt for a job that yields $40,000 a year, that's maybe not going to yeah. yield a good return. I, I can tell you, yeah. So there was a recent study done uh, by the Federal Reserve of New York. This was just, just came out last week as of time of our recording here in June 2019. They did say, yeah, the average bachelor's degree recipient uh, return rate of return over their career is 14%. Uh, and the average college grad earns an average of $78,000 a year compared with $45,000 a year for, for those that only have a high school diploma. Uh, however, they said if you get a, a degree, like a, how do I say this, like a, a degree that doesn't get you a job, um, like an arts and crafts type degree, uh, you, you know, you'll be, if, or if you're in the bottom, it says here the bottom 25% of your class, your returns are not as high. Uh, so you do have to apply yourself through college. You have to be, you know, like, like a missile strike while you're in school to not spend six years getting a degree that may not be employable. Um, and you're right. That is one of the biggest wealth transfers in, in our lifetimes. So what do we do? What are some of the mistakes you see parents making? Uh, what are some of the ways that you see students making mistakes and how can we avoid those mistakes? Um, you know, from your, from your perspective as a college funding specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I think one of the number one mistakes that people make is they underestimate what I call the college gap. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the college gap is really the difference between like the net price of college and what your family can afford to pay from savings and cash flow. You know, I've read a study before from Fidelity. They did a 10-year college um, report, and it was during the, the first decade of my career um, from 2007 to 2017. And some of the statistics said that while a lot, <clears throat> while more families were actively saving for college, um, at the end of 2017, moving into 2018, uh, families had only been able to save about 29% of the total value of college, which is a blessing, um, but there's that 70% gap. And I would argue that those statistics are more true even today than they were just a couple years ago. And I think that's one of the very first things is they may work with a traditional advisor or something like that, but not a lot of people have figured out how to fund the college gap and uh, having those funds readily available so that you're not going to be beholden to the, the, the government, Sally Mays, banks, or lending institutions on how you're going to fund that gap. So that's the number one thing I think families have, uh, they need to address is where are those dollars going to come from in the most tax efficient manner? And that, and that circles back to the concept that we, you and I both love, the, the bank and yourself concept. 
you know. Yeah. And, well, before yeah. we get to to those some of those strategies, and I think there's some awesome stuff we need to cover there. How does traditional financial advisors advise parents who have college-bound kids? What do they typically recommend? What do you think is working under mainstream mm-hmm. financial advice for college planning, and what's not working with mainstream financial advice? Yeah, I, again, I go back to what we hear marketed every day. And it seems like uh, per capita or people in general just feel anytime the word college funding is, a, is brought up, that that automatically means a 529 plan is the uh, one and only way to finance the gap of college. And you know, while 529 plans have some advantages, um, and it is a blessing that a family may have money in a 529 plan, don't quote me on this, but I believe the average amount of money in a 529 plan might be around 18 to $24,000, somewhere around there, which might be a, a year of college uh, at a state school or something. But that kind of proves my point that where's the rest of the three out of the four years going to come from? So mm, yeah. I think mainstream, I think, I think uh, mainstream financial planning sometimes has uh, been lazy relative to this notion of college funding. You know, they, they, they're, they want assets under management. They, they preach accumulation and uh, college can just be saved and, and planned for through the vehicle of 529 plants. And um, I, I, you know, I believe that there's more efficient ways to finance that gap of college. Um, and so therefore, I think it just requires a little bit more thinking outside the box um, because this is not just a common thing that we have to solve for. It's a major, major undertaking. So, you know, that's, that's where I think uh, traditional financial planning um, has got people. And what I've seen for the past 12 years is most people's plan is to use 529 plans. All right. Or, yeah. And, and you're right. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm reading the, the report here, Sally May, uh, How America Saves for College 2018. So um, uh, age 13 to 17 who have 529 plans, the average balance is 27,000 bucks. There you go. So how, you know, I don't know how long 529s have been in existence, but if we've had 529 plans for however many years, a couple of decades, uh, shouldn't we have solved the, the college funding crisis with the 529 if it was, well, you, you, know, you was would think so working so well. You, yeah, you would think so, which leads back into maybe some of the traditional financial advising ways that, you know, they, they may have known a family for 10, 15, 20 years and they've, no, they've seen all their kids be born, but they haven't addressed that from a planning standpoint. But they certainly have a well-diversified IRA. And I think that's just kind of an injustice there uh, as, a, as a planner to know that parents have these kids and the costs are, are rising and that, and that there's no plan for that, right? There's no planning for that. So I don't know. I, you, know you would think that 529s 529s would have solved the issue, but it uh, most certainly has not, right? Mm-hmm. It most certainly has not. So what do we do from there? You know, we have to get a little bit more strategic about where we can uh, get these dollars because if we don't do anything different, then we're just going to completely be beholden to the banks, the lending institutions, uh, the Sally Mays and the federal government to uh, pay that debt off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we have to. So. Well, so, uh, so I don't know if that would count as our first big college funding mistake, 
But would you, would you just go quickly through the list? What are the four big college funding mistakes that we need to avoid? And then we can see which ones or all of them that we want to touch on in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the first one is uh, tied to what we just talked about, which is uh, the first one I talk about in my workshops here are beware of the student loan trap. And I think that that basically at a high level means that parents bury their head in the sand and they get into loans that are maybe signature loans are easy to get into, but very hard to wriggle out of if not impossible. And they uh, overborrow and they don't view it as an investment. You know, So in the same way, you and I would never buy a house for $300,000 that was appraised for 150, uh, parents are just buying college that way and taking on exorbitant amounts of debt. So that's the first one is what I call the student loan trap. Uh, the second biggest mistake I think families face is just making assumptions about financial aid, you know, myths versus reality, things like uh, just uh, my income's too high, so I'm not going to qualify for financial aid. Or, you know, if I, if I own a home, uh, they're going to count the equity against me or, or, you know, school people can help or or my, my grades are too low for little Johnny and therefore we're not going to get anything. So there's a lot of understanding as far as, well, where does the money come from um, in the financial aid system? And a lot of people don't understand the formulas that the government's put together or the institutional methodologies that they look at. They, they don't understand what category that they may fall into. Like there's three different types of categories for college funding families, and they all require different types of planning, whether you're high income, high net worth or, or not. You know, and so that, that's probably number two is how does that all work and how does the FAFSA work and, and what, are the, what do those things look like? If the, if the kids make money, does that count against me? And what if I make money and have money in 529 plans or brokerage accounts? Does that count against me? Um, you know, so I, I think that those are, those are important to understand. And, and I also think that selecting the wrong college and career path is another mistake families make. And then selecting the wrong college and career path, right? So I think if you, if you mash all those together, there's many, many opportunities for people to have those wealth transfers. Again, money that we unknowingly and unnecessarily give away. And there's so many moving parts with college planning. I just, I tell my clients all the time, like much like there's a tax system or much like there's a legal system in our country, you're getting ready to go through a pretty convoluted system as well too. And you, you got to understand all those parts to, to make sure you come out on the end. Uh, good. <laughs> Fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, as a, uh, you've really found a specific area of the financial life that many, uh, many Americans will walk through blindly. Uh, you know, it's not unlike when you buy your first home, you know, that's, you don't know what you don't know and you need, you need, uh, advocates and people to come alongside to help you with the process of, let's say, buying your first house or picking a mortgage or picking a property or negotiating the, you know, the buy, the buying or the selling of the property. How do you feel your work differentiate is differentiated from kind of your typical, uh, you know, run of the mill investment advisor who might help you with your mutual funds? Uh, and what do you specifically help folks do, uh, both to lower the cost of college and avoid those mistakes that you mentioned, but also help give them an, a, an actual financial plan uh, or a strategy that helps them pay for college without going broke? Yeah, good question. I think we define, I think we define this wealth transfer clearly. Um, I think we we teach people um, the different ins and outs of what this investment is going to mean to them. Um, I don't think you can have a good college plan until you define what we're trying to solve. And so we 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 um, 
we, we show our clients the problem that they're going to try to come up with, right? Everyone has an idea that college is expensive. Well, well, how much, you know, what are we looking to solve? And because of our knowledge of the system and the services that we provide, um, you know, everything from I've, I've hired a career planning coach to help our kids not go an extra year or two, you know, that could save you $30,000. My wife, for example, is a primary uh, example of this. She went to nursing school at a college here in Columbus and uh, it was two and a half years before she decided that that was just not for her. And I married her and inherited over $40,000 of student loan debt because she just thought she wanted to be a person that helps people when in actuality, it shouldn't have been nursing school. It should have been maybe early childhood development or something like that. Well, she ended up wasting two and a half years and that can help people save a lot of money. It could be ACT prepping. It could be essay reviews. It could be all those types of things that we can help people save money with. But ultimately, it's just defining this wealth transfer, helping them understand the ins and outs of the system, um, making sure all the forms are done correctly and all the administrative things are done correctly, uh, career planning is done correctly. And then I, I just, I got to go back to that most people are not going to get full rides. And so where will those dollars come from? And one of the things that we help people do from a holistic planning standpoint is figure out how we can have those funds readily available and how that doesn't back up into your retirement. And one of the uh, you know, amazing strategies that we use has to, you know, go back to that uh, bank on yourself, you know, strategy and, and having those dollars there that are liquid, that are tax-free, that in some cases won't count against families on the financial aid formulas. And, and moreover, just allowing them to be their source of financing so that they can recoup those dollars back to themselves and then reuse those dollars tax-free, which, which leads into um, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is whether you're planning for college or whether you're planning for retirement, I think traditional financial planning sells products and they don't really look at the, the financial swing of a, of a client. And, and so I always kind of make an analogy that when we do planning that we want to, we want to look at your swing as a, like a golf swing, if you will. And the reason why that's important is because if you have a good golf swing, you can win more money on the PGA tour versus the clubs. And if we can look at somebody's swing, and we can figure out if they're off balance, then we can figure out what clubs can fix that swing. And that's all centered around, to me, knowing the four most important financial questions that we all need to know. And uh, we can speak to that here today, but we, we define those questions. And, and that is, is that while you're trying to figure out how to pay for little Johnny and Susie's college education, you know, how is that going to impact the standard of living that you want to live at at retirement? And most families, they, they don't know the answer to that question. They, they've worked with a traditional financial planner, and all they know is that they might have an IRA that's 20% bonds and 80% equities. And, um, and, and I really feel like that that's the difference, is that we define that through the swing. We don't say, here's the product, and here's what we think that you need. It's, let's look at your swing and then figure out how to fix your swing. And so that's where we kind of come from. We look at it from a holistic standpoint, but then focus on and define the problem at hand. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, 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 that's, and that's different, you know, I think, than traditional financial planning. That's smart. 
So, and it sounds like uh, you brought up some really good points. You're exactly right. No, no person should just pick up uh, any old golf club. If you're on the green, uh, you don't need a driver. You know, if you're in the sand, you don't need a, a, a one iron or a three iron or whatever, or a baseball bat. You want the right club, uh, but more importantly, you want the right swing to go along with it. That's great. Uh, you brought up some tremendously unique and maybe to some of our listeners, brand new ideas. So, you know, tell us how does the particular club of whole life insurance using kind of the bank on yourself concept, how does that help you down the fairway, so to speak, of, uh, of what you're trying to do when, when funding college and also retirement? Yeah, well, the bank, on yourself, the bank on yourself concept relative to golf clubs is the putter, right? It's the one that's uh, it's not going to make people ooh and ah. It's not going to, you're not going to hit it 300 yards, but it's the one that wins tournaments. It's the one that, it's the one that, that, that's the club that solidifies people's um, personalities forever. It solidifies their greatness. And so relative to financial planning, um, it's, it's the putter. It's under control. It's slow and easy. It's steady Eddie. And boy, if you got that putter uh, and you can use that putter wisely, you're going to win a lot of money and in financial planning. It's the same way. It's, it's been around for 200 plus years. It's been highly criticized. It's been undertaught. It's been overanalyzed and misunderstood, but yet here it is standing the test of test of time, right? Where, you know, the banking institutions, which are some of the most profitable businesses in the world, they, they utilize it. They understand the advantages of it. Um, the government for goodness sakes, uh, thought it was so good, they got involved in it. So, it, by no means it's a it's not the one wood. It's it's the putter of financial products, but it's something that you can count on when you get into sticky situations. And for college funding, it can be a marvelous tool. It's a marvelous tool so that you 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 don't have those opportunity costs go away from you. You you could recoup some or all of the cost of college and some of that interest back to our families reuse those monies in their retirement years tax-free, and then maybe leave something for their estate, their loved ones, charities, churches that are near and dear to their heart. So there's, there's no better way to keep that intergenerational wealth going, um, avoid opportunity cost, and do it all on a tax advantage basis. And it fits perfectly into that gap of how will you fund whatever's not met from the government or outside sources um, in college planning. And so that we, we, we believe in that a lot, you know, it's not the only thing that we do, but we certainly say that that is the staple, that's our putter in our bag that's going to win us the tournaments. Wow. So, um, you know, in my introduction to the concept of bank on yourself was through the lens of how do I pay off this massive student education debt problem that we created for ourselves? You're right. It felt like when I met uh, my wife, Katrina, in college, I felt like I was already married to Sally Mae because uh, <laughs> she was taking so much of my money every month. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think the, 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 a lot of our listeners might be thinking, well, how do you use life insurance to pay for college? That's a new idea for some people. And also, how, what does this have to do with retirement? Do you have any stories or could you give us an example of someone who maybe is on the pathway of doing this, using uh, that, that putter, so to speak, uh, to help them achieve their college uh, funding? strategy and then also yeah. what's the what's the end result with uh, retirement planning and how does that fit in using this concept yeah i'll give you two one of them is me um so when i was 27 years old i learned about this concept and uh, started my first policy 
Um, I currently have eight policies now, and I have a uh, incoming sophomore. I have a seventh grader and a second grader. And so I started this a long time ago. Um, I do not own a 529 plan. And again, just if you do or some of your listeners have one, I'm not saying that you did something horrible. This could be in conjunction with. But um, so I am prepared and poised to be able to be my own source of financing for colleges. I certainly will you know, choose the right schools for the right value, not overpay, but I want to recoup those back to myself. But I'll give you a little bit more of a recent one. Um, as I've had several clients, but one in particular, we just met with uh, two days ago, we did an annual review. Uh, they have had three of their children come through our program. Two of them are graduated and working. One's a teacher uh, and one is an engineer and one is going into their junior year in college. And they pulled up on their spreadsheet all the different parent plus loan debts that they've been able to service or dis- from discover, right? They have, they had a spreadsheet of all these various loans that they've taken over the years. And I knew that that was going to come about. And so years prior, we had started to fund their policy. They didn't have quite enough to have enough funds readily available to pay for college as they went. But I told them at some point in time, we could use the, the deferral mechanism of student loans, if you will, until six months after they stopped going to, to college. Um, and then we could swoop back at the end and become our own source of financing and use our policies to do that. So they had over $100,000 of cash value in their, in their policies. We're going to take a max policy loan. And between them and their children, they're going to recoup those dollars back. Um, they're excited about that. They were paying seven, eight, eight and a half percent interest. And so, you know, they're going to borrow with exorbitantly less interest, but simple interest and recoup those dollars and basically rampage into their retirement and then be able to use those dollars to supplement their social security or pensions and, and do it on a tax-free basis, tax-favored basis. And, uh, and, and so they just lit up and I can, this was two days ago. So I remember this and mom at the end, she put her hands in the air and she goes, I knew, I knew this, I knew it was going to work something like this, but I just didn't quite understand until you just finally reiterated it again. And now I get it. And so she was like super happy. And so, yeah. And so they're going to finance college in a much more tax efficient manner and uh, they're super happy. And so I've had several clients like that over, over the course of my 12 years. And um, it's just kind of fruitful to see that, that they get it and that they're in control. That is such a great story. And I love how, you know, they're, they're rampaging toward retirement. Now their money was growing, even as they borrowed that money off the policy or against the policies to wipe out, you know, their student loan problem. Um, but then you were, you were able to wipe out all their uh, debts and now they're basically banking on themselves for their student loans. Well, what is one thing you'd want to leave our listeners with that you feel like would be just uh, to help them take that first step or to just, you know, just help them toward this journey of, of the, this wealth transfer we call college? Uh, what's one thing you would want to leave our listeners and what's one way folks could reach out to you if they want to learn more? Yeah, the first, yeah, thanks, Mark. The first thing I would say is don't procrastinate. Uh, we tend to see people late in the game, somewhere between eighth grade and twelfth uh, grade. Uh, we would define those as late stage college funding families. So whether you have a, a junior in high school or whether you have a three year old, uh, it's not too early to start planning for this wealth transfer. It's not getting cheaper. Um, 
you know, unless colleges uh, stop having 30, 40,000 applicants, uh, they really don't have any course of action to uh, lower their cost. It's supply and demand. So uh, whether it's a small start or a uh, pretty robust uh, planning session late in the game, don't procrastinate. Get ahead of this curve right now and you'll be a lot happier for it. And, and talk to somebody that understands the financial aid and admission system, a, a qualified person that understands uh, this, this thing called college. Um, you know, your listeners, we would love to field some questions or just uh, be a resource to some of your listeners uh, throughout the country. You could go to uh, our website, www.keystoneadvisors.com. Uh, you could reach me at rfleming at keystonecollegeplan.com. And uh, certainly, uh, you could give me a personal call if that's how you'd like to communicate. Um, 614-300-9493 comes right to my desk. Um, but that's what I would say is don't procrastinate. Identify the investment that you're getting ready to take. Define that. And instead of burying our head in the sand and just hoping for the best, uh, be diligent. Um, and plan. Very great. Thank you so much, Ryan, for all your great uh, assistance and insights. I think folks have taken, can take, if, they, if they're willing to put this to action, it'll change uh, a financial future for a student, but more importantly, the whole family tree. So thank you for all you're doing and helping out with uh, folks across the country with this big thing we call college planning. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure being on. All right. And so thank you one last time to Ryan for joining us and for taking time out of his day to um, be a guest on our podcast and share his thoughts with you guys. Um, did I not say he had a lot of wisdom and insight to share? So I think that um, this interview kind of shows that. So, um, Mark, what did you say? What would you say were some of your big takeaways or kind of key points from uh, your conversation with him? I guess he really brought in, again, the idea of wealth transfers. Uh, we're all going to go through these sort of gay ways in our life, um, almost um, sort of forced through kind of just life's milestones, you know. Um, college is obviously a big one. Mm -hmm. And if you have just one kiddo, it's going to be expensive, not to mention if you have a couple. Uh, so that is a regular transfer of your money to some other entity like a college <laughs> or a student loan company or something. So being aware of that transfer is so huge. I mean, we could add retirement fees or the expense of long-term care. Uh, these are all big wealth transfers. If we have eyes to see it, we can prepare for those. That was the big takeaway for me. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I guess just thinking about how college funding um, and the impact it can have on retirement, you know, and so how they can be very, very interrelated mm. um, in that, you know, college funding and, and for many people, if parents are choosing to pay for college, it, it ends up becoming um they end up becoming in such a way that they're not able to retire because yep. they're paying for college or vice versa. They have to prioritize their college over um, paying for college for their kids. And so um, just kind of that connection there. And, and I think if you can um, find a way to accomplish both um, with the same tool and the same strategy, you know, it could be multi-purposed, multi-faceted. Um, I just think that that's awesome and, and can just have such a huge impact on, um, you know, the financial lives of Americans that would otherwise have to maybe choose between the two. So um, hope that you all, our listeners, were able to get some good um, good nuggets of wisdom from, from Ryan. We surely enjoyed having him on our show and just want to say thank you all for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. 
This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.